Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Right, we're going to go to John chapter 8, starting at verse 38. It says, I'm telling you, this is Jesus talking, I'm telling you, talking to some people who say that they believe in him, I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you were trying to kill me because I told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. Now just note that still even as Jesus is talking, the circumstances of his birth would have been in question. So when they say we aren't illegitimate children, they're probably referring to the shotgun wedding that they thought Mary and Joseph's was. And they're saying you are, another word. And, and they're saying God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. I think I've missed a verse. Can we get that scripture up on the board, please, productionist? John chapter 8, 38 to 42. And while you're doing that, I'll pull it up here. Okay. It says, no, you're imitating your father. Oh, okay. So when it says you are imitating your real father, um, other versions just like call it as it is, as he said, you're imitating your father, the devil, it says. And then in verse 47, it says, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. So here's Jesus saying to these people, uh, if you belong to God, if God was your father, you'd receive the words I'm saying, but God is not your father. The other guy is your father. And so you're not listening to me. Well, as us here today, how do we ensure that God is our Father and not the other guy, that we don't get lumped in with those people? Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, But to all who believed and accepted Him, He gave the right to become the children of God. So simply, uh, we see that to become a child of God and to ensure that God is our Father, we believe and we receive. You might believe in God, you might believe in Jesus here this morning, but it's not just a matter of believing, it's a matter of receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. So what happens when we receive and believe in Jesus? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, it says, For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So at the start, we have Jesus talking to the, the people and saying, The other guy's your father. And I can tell because of the way that you act. The way that you're acting is reflecting your parentage. And then we see that he says that to become a child of God, to get a new parent, uh, that you have to receive and believe Jesus. And then actually then you're in the kingdom of his dear son. So we're talking about values of the kingdom and saying if we are now, we have a different ancestry, a different parentage, a different heritage, then how do we bring the kingdom to earth? Uh, we referred to it a couple of weeks ago of if your workplace was toxic, 
and uh, there was backbiting and infighting and, and negativity all the time, that actually to bring um, the company's culture into the workplace, if you were charged with that, you would have to act a different way to the way that the workplace was acting. And in the same way, if we're in the kingdom of his dear son, now we need to be acting in a different way to the way that everyone else in the kingdom that exists is acting. So Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be those that are the change agents that bring your kingdom to earth. Lord, we pray with Jesus and the way that he instructed us to pray and say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've got three quick stories for you. Uh, Okay, so Darren, my husband, um, senior pastor, Darren Francis Spinell, amazing man and very strong, very manly, but in some ways, uh, he's like a little girl. And, um, and one of the ways is in his reaction. So we were in uh, our kitchen at home and, and, and the kids and I are used to his reactions. But Katie had a friend over and we were at the um, bench eating our breakfast. And all of a sudden, Darren like yells. And if you've ever heard his big voice, his yell is ginormous. And he dropped to the floor and crawled his way to the bedroom. And little Ellie, who was staying over, just looked at Kate with her eyes like saucers, like what on earth is going on? And the kids and I just kept eating our breakfast. And um, after a little while, Kate kind of just went to Ellie, it's okay. And uh, after a little while, Daz came out of the bedroom, like walked on out and uh, we said, oh, what, are you okay? And he said, oh yeah, I had an earache. And, um, <laughs> and Ellie turned to Kate and said, I thought he was having a heart attack. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we know. You see, Darren says, and I say, Daz, you can't do that when the kids' friends are around. Like they freak out. I say, I can't help it. It's just my reaction. I can't do anything about it. It's like when I'm driving and he's in the car and he feels like I've gotten too close to the car that's in front of us and he'll, brah, brah, and I'm like, whoa, that's going to cause me to have an accident. He's like, I can't help it. It's just my reaction. You see, there's something unique to our wiring and our parentage and our genetics and also our environment that give us an inherent reaction. Our heritage and our ancestry give us an inherent reaction. Okay. You may have heard me tell the story before that Darren's and my ancestry and heritage were different in the way of house cleaning. My mum was incredibly busy. She used to travel an hour to work and she had to work in order to keep the farm afloat. And so she would travel an hour to go and teach at a small school principal there and then eventually um, come home and one of us kids would maybe put dinner on or maybe she'd have to cook dinner when she got home and then she'd mark books after dinner. And it was just hectic. And so our house was never dirty, but it was often messy. Now, Darren, um, whose mother was an incredibly clean and neat person, uh, said the words to me that you never want to hear from your mother-in-law when I started working. Bro, now that you've got a bit of extra money, maybe you should get a cleaner, um, which I took tremendous offence to, but was the best decision I ever made. And, uh, and so, but Darren's favourite smell was to walk out into the kitchen Chairs on the table and the smell of Pinaclean in the air when he was a little boy. Sometimes on date night, I just splash Pinaclean on myself and, and just, you know, just to help things along. And, and so, like, so our ancestry and our heritage give us actions. And so Darren's action was always to clean up and mine was always to kind of let things slide, have people over and not really worry about anything that was going on. So, so our ancestry and heritage give us an inherent reaction and our ancestry and heritage have resultant and automatic actions. Last story. Um, I was preaching in 
Petersham. And um, Barry and Tracy Saar took me out to dinner to the Dremoin Sailing Club. And there we were, overlooking the Sydney Harbour, sailing ships in the harbour, beautiful, just gorgeous, and we're eating our meal. But it's a club, so there's a meat raffle. And, but it's a Dremoin meat raffle, which is slightly different to the meat raffles I'm used to, whereby the man announcing says 42, 78, 94. Oh, congratulations, you've won a meat tree, please come and collect your prize. And they came, and I just was immediately taken back to the Long Yard, otherwise known as the Longy, and I'm pretty sure they never call the Dremoyne Sailing Club the Moiny, but, but here we are at the Longy overlooking Maccas, which is a little bit different to the Sydney Harbour, and, and, and I hear the meat raffle there, 42, 96, 45, Dame, you lucky bludger, you won again, eh? And uh, oh, everybody, there's a Barbie at Damey's place. You see, our heritage and our ancestry also give us an accent, so we have an inherent reaction, we have an automatic action, but we also have an accent. So we're talking today about the kingdom value of generosity, the kingdom value of generosity. And you might say, Bron, is that because Catalyst Sunday is next week? Yes, absolutely. And on full disclosure, yes, it is strategic. But let me tell you, if we were to talk about the kingdom value of generosity and narrow it down to an offering on a Sunday of an annual offering, that would be a gross misrepresentation of the kingdom value of generosity because it is so much more than that. Yes, absolutely, it includes that, but it is so much more than that. So I want to ask you the question. I don't know why I'm puffing. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you the question. In terms of inherent reactions, if this is your first time in church, if this is your 50th time in church, audience participation, not out loud, but maybe write it down or maybe think it, in your head clearly. When I say that we're preaching on the kingdom value of generosity, what is your inherent reaction that shows up in your spirit, that shows up in your mindset? How do you feel about that? Maybe if you've brought a friend today, you're like, wrong week to bring a friend. What is the inherent reaction that you have when I say that we're preaching on the kingdom value of generosity? And what I would ask secondary to that, and if you can do a little bit of self-analysis here this morning, How does that relate back to your ancestry and your heritage? Did you have a grandfather who grew up in the Great Depression and so was incredibly careful with money? Did you have a father who gambled the family finance away? Did you have an auntie who was very impulsive with her money and and, and very kind of generous but in that impulsive way? Did you have... Did you grow up with nothing and now you have a poverty mindset or a scarcity mindset around your finance where you actually find yourself a bit stingy? What is the automatic or inherent reaction that you have around generosity and how can you relate that to your ancestry and heritage? My mum was incredibly generous, is incredibly generous. One of the most generous people I knew. No. (coughs) When she was um, a young widow, she had a lot of money from the adjustment that the neighbour was using the farm. And she would like come to church and if someone had bad teeth, she would pay for their dental work. I don't know how that conversation went. Like, ooh, weird smile. Do you want some dental work? Um, I, I don't know how it went down. But, but she was incredibly impulsive. She saw a need and she met it. And so that is something that I inherited from her. So coming into the kingdom, because now I'm not under my own ancestry and heritage, that value was easily transferred. But the value of stewardship wasn't. 
Because as impulsive as she was generously, she was in spending as well. And that's what I took on as well. So I was happy to give to wherever, whenever, however, but then have to go on a payment plan for my compassion kids because I'd fallen behind because I was not a good steward with my finance. So there's plenty of things that we're able to easily transfer into the kingdom according to our ancestry and heritage. But there are other things that take a little while to line up when we come into the kingdom. Is, how is generosity for you? Is that something that you're like, no, no, I'm there, I'm able, I'm ready, I'm willing? Or is it something that you're needing God to bring you in alignment on and you can identify it by the inherent reaction that you had when we said we were talking about generosity? How do you feel about God as it relates to generosity? Is a change needed in your mindset when it relates to um, the parable of the talents? You might remember that God gave one five, one two, and another one. And they all had to steward it while the master was away, not God, sorry, the master who gave them the talents. And the one who had five doubled it, and the one who had two doubled it, and the one who had one buried it in the ground. And when the master comes back, he says, I know that you're a harsh man, so I buried it so I wouldn't lose it because I didn't want to get punished. Now, was the master a hard man? It would suggest no, because the one who had five and the one who had two and doubled them, they didn't say that. So it was something more about what this guy had experienced maybe with other masters. And he'd buried his talent and said, you're a harsh man. How do we feel about God? And does it actually reflect God or does it reflect more our ancestry and our own natural heritage and we're projecting that onto God? What's your inherent reaction? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, I want you to know, This is Paul speaking to a church in Corinth about another church. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy which has overflowed in rich generosity. Can we just just call the elephant in the room here about the illogical and the irrational inherent reaction that the church of Macedonia has. They are tested in many troubles. They are very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy. And so the inherent reaction is generosity. We don't put these things together for a start. We don't put great poverty and many trials and joy together. We don't tend to put that together. But certainly we don't put many trials, poverty, joy overflowing in generosity. We don't put that as an inherent reaction, but, but you see, these people were living in the kingdom. They weren't paying attention to the worldly values. They were paying attention to the kingdom values. And so their reaction was able to be that of the kingdom. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify, Paul says, that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. I wonder if Paul said to them, hey, Macedonians, you guys are dirt poor at the moment and I can see all your trials. So, you know what, we're doing this offering thing, but you guys, don't worry about it. Just don't even, don't, don't, don't worry about it. You, you've got enough going on. Your joy is good. Your salvation's good. You guys just stay out of it. Because they had to beg and beg. No, please, Paul, let us get involved in this. We want to, we want to do it. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. So here we have their inherent reaction, and then we have their action that comes out of that. They 
even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, to, Titus who encouraged you your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Uh, other versions say, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in enthusiasm and your love for us. You see, they had an inherent reaction, overflowing into rich generosity, an action, which was the gift, the giving, but they also had an accent. You know, the, the, their faith and their speech and their knowledge and their enthusiasm, there was something about these guys that everything about them that came out of their mouth reflected the kingdom values. So, <coughs> sorry, so rich generosity, um, a gift, and, and then everything about them having this accent of giving. Remember Damo from the Longy. He had an accent where it was easily identified. When people listen to you and what comes out of your mouth, are you easily identified as belonging to the kingdom? Are you generous in your speech? Do you speak life into other people? Do you speak life to people? And then when they're not around, speak life about people? Is that your kingdom value that flows out of you? How is your generosity in not only your reaction and your action, but also your accent? And how you feel about that in your life as part of a kingdom value. I want to read you a parable that Jesus spoke. Because to, like I said, to narrow it to an offering on a Sunday, which we should absolutely be involved in next week. Wherever we see a need and we have the means to meet it or be involved in it, we should be a part of that. But regardless, it's so much more than that. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Church, this should be a picture of our life, that, that the kingdom in us is just a little seed. But as we just go into the ground and, and we give everything like our whole lives to him and to the kingdom, that what comes out of that is this massive, expansive tree that actually birds can come and nest in the branches. This expansiveness that we have gives provision and shelter for other people, that everything about us is, is large and expansive and beautiful. The next verse says, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast of a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast... In three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. And what do we know about yeast? Yeast causes everything to rise. And that should be our life. As our life reflects the kingdom, that should infiltrate other people's lives and actually everyone around us rises as we do also. I don't mean that you have the best job and you're prosperous to, you know, have a house in somewhere in Tamworth that's amazing. That's, I'm trying not to put anyone else off that's got a house there. Um, um, like Kalala, like me. Um, and uh, it doesn't mean about the, the material part of it. It means this attitude of expansiveness and generosity. You know when you're around a person whose life reflects generosity. Their words, their, their, their life that they're speaking, the, the way that they don't talk smack about people, the way that they, they just love on people and they believe in people. It's this expansiveness and it causes a rising even as you're around them. Isn't that true? Proverbs 11, 
24 to 25. This is one that you might know. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Let's read it from the message. It's the one we know the best. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. I love the way that this talks about generosity and, and lives getting larger and larger and, and those who withhold getting smaller and smaller. But, but it's not just about finance. It's not just about an offering on a Sunday. It's about our whole life. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed and those who help others are helped. Can I please get the music team up this morning? My prayer for you, church, is that you would live expansive lives, lives that are so rich and generous in the way you speak, in the way you act, in the way you provide, in the way you give, that it so reflects the kingdom that others are able to come and nest in your branches, that actually like people want to be around that and that you provide for them in a covering of kingdom value. That's how it's supposed to look, that even those who don't know God or anything about God would be able to sense something about you of the kingdom because it's not us going there one day. It's the kingdom coming here now and us being able to impact every sphere that we're a part of. So the other part of that is, if you're like, I don't, I don't know that, that I am a part of the kingdom, then let's remember what we said at the start, that you get transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son the moment that you believe and receive Jesus Christ. Maybe you've come here today and yes, you believe in Jesus Christ, but you've never actually received Him. Today's the day. And so I'm going to pray firstly for anyone who might receive Jesus here this morning. Let's close our eyes and take seriously this thought. And let me ask you the question, do you believe in Jesus? Your answer might be an automatic yes. But have you received Him yet? And if you haven't and you say, I haven't, Bron, but I'd like to. Or... I did a long time ago, but I haven't really walked with Him for a long time. Or I'm not sure that I'm a part of the kingdom of heaven. One of those three things, and you'd like to be assured of that this morning. Can you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Anyone here this morning who wants to receive Jesus, who might have believed in Jesus in the past, but haven't received Him today? I'm going to pray for our church. Lord, I ask, Lord, that anyone here today who doesn't have that assurance of being part of your kingdom, Lord, that they would know to receive you today, that they would open their heart, that they would feel you, Holy Spirit, drawing them, and that they would open their heart to you in Jesus' name. I pray that they would turn from what they're doing and that they would enter into sonship and daughtership of you, Lord Jesus. Mighty God, we just pray that we would be a church 
that live expansive lives, lives that are generous, lives that are getting larger and larger, lives that are not shutting ourselves off and shutting down, but Lord, lives that are being more and more open to what You would do in them in Jesus' Name. Help us to know exactly what to do, Lord. Help us to, Lord, be clear about what You want us to do in relation to that. Lord, stop our mouths when we're speaking in a way that's stingy, Lord. Open our mouths when we're ready to speak in a way that's generous. Lord, let our accent reflect You. Let our actions reflect You. And Lord, let those inherent reactions begin to reflect you more and more in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.